0: chase you but I'm a busy man
1: Good-hearted jailer with a six-gun hill. He let me call long distance. She said, number, please.
0: And no sooner than I told her, she shouted out at me.
2: Hello, everybody. Hello. Welcome to this night's broadcast, 3:15, uh, 2020, of the Daily Diatribe. Got a lot of news to talk about. A lot of stuff happened with the coronavirus today. A lot of stuff happened with the Federal Reserve today, issuing that uh, they would reduce the rates. Uh, Democratic debate is currently going on. I caught the first hour of it. Uh, it was really interesting to see Biden and Sanders finally sparring over some issues. Uh, as as will become usual, I have my my friend here. Mr. Uh, I guess I'm just going to refer to you by your Discord name, Mr. Incognito Dub. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to unmute you. There you are. You got unmuted. So obviously, we've got a lot of topics to, gov- to cover for today. And I think one of the most interesting things, at least I think that's going on today, is that the Fed lowered rates to 0% on some loans.
0: Oh, yeah. Hey, yeah. how you doing? Good. How are you? I um I was very impressed to see how much they cut it by, because um I was actually watching the debate as you were earlier, and they talked about how they cut it to the lowest it's been since about 2008, which was of course the financial crisis. Yeah, and not only did they do that, but they bought back about 700 billion dollars in, you know, your treasury notes and then mortgage-backed securities. So the Fed is really trying to have governmental act. They're trying to have you know, governmental action to save a would-be recession.
2: Uh, I saw that coming, and I thought that that was actually quite interesting. I mean, I, not that I saw that coming, but uh, when I saw that come out today, uh, I was actually kind of confused because I didn't think that the Trump administration would take that kind of long-term economic risk because, you know, after 9-11, uh, then-Fed Chairman Alan Greenspan cut the rates to about zero, the Fed fund rates to about zero, And, you know, obviously that helps create the kind of quote-unquote free money environment that, you know, caused the financial crisis in 2008. So I guess what I'd be concerned about is the long-term effects that this is going to have on the economy. So do you think that this will create some sign of bubble again or do you think that that we're actually going to learn from last time, like, you know, so many fail to do and actually get something done?
0: I honestly couldn't tell you, and I think it may be too early to speculate because, you know, the current Fed Chairman Powell, um, he knows, you know, he. Mm. I'm sure he's looking in the rearview mirror and saying, oh, you know, this happened last time. How can we prevent it this time? And as we were talking about last time, this is a different type of economic phenomenon. Yeah. That, you know, the... You know, it's just different. And you have to recognize that it's different and see what
2: happens this time. I, I agree with you. And I think one of the issues I think we're going to see right now is have the banks learned to be a little bit more frugal? And I, I would say that they haven't because when the financial crisis came about in 2008, they got bailed out. All, them and all their friends were safe and nobody went to jail. So I really wonder if it's, not, if it's in their best interest to do the same thing they did and create this big bubble – I really hope the consumer has learned. I think the consumer might have learned. I know that millennials are actually very frugal investors, actually a lot more conservative than their baby boomer parents were on you know that kind of issue. And so my wonder is what really is going to happen is – do you think that what's going to happen is the banks will create another bubble or do you think that the people won't fall for that again? Because I, I think that people – Probably won't, but I think some people might get sucked in, so maybe it'll be a bubble, maybe there won't be But I don't think there'll be a bubble to the scale, but do you really think that Trump or at least the Trump administration and Jerome Powell are really thinking long term here is this kind of like a short term patch to a long term solution they're just hoping the value the underlying value will recover
0: i I think you know the um the Fed and the administration are separate, and Trump mm-hmm. has pointed that out and said, you know I can remove you if I want, but yeah. Um I think if I really had to put a label on it, I would think the administration, you know, President Trump himself is thinking more of the short term. And I think that the Fed is probably aiming for the long term because, you know, it took several days to get a, another Fed. And Trump was tweeting, you know, I may remove you if you don't. Yeah. And um, I was actually seeing in the Wall Street Journal early, earlier today, several CEOs and leaders of these large banking corporations traveled to D.C. to meet with the president. And I'm more than willing to bet that in that meeting, he probably said something along the lines of, if you screw up this chance we're giving you, you know, you're not getting any help at the end of this.
2: Yeah, I was thinking kind of something about that, because I remember in the early days of the Obama administration, uh, he had a meeting because, you know, the economy was obviously pre-fall then. What yeah. he was doing, he met with the CEOs, and it caused some sort of recovery because he didn't chew them out. They all thought they were going to be chewed out, and he kind of gave them a, a pat on the back. And obviously, that's just because he was—I think that was because he was an inexperienced politician at the time. And Trump, I would argue, is still kind of an inexperienced politician. I, I know he's president, but relative to how long others have been in politics, I'd say he's a little bit inexperienced. And so what I would wonder—I would wonder is if Trump is fully equipped— to deal with a financial crisis. I mean, it was easier when everything was, you know, the Dow was just headed up. I, I remember there was a, a hat that said Dow 30,000, with the big, you know, upwards arrow on it. And I wonder if now that the economy has actually taken a big hit, like a, I would say like a torpedo to the hull, if he's capable of governing under that kind of situation. I would hope so, just given that he was elected, but I think
0: something that he brings to the table that while being inexperienced in politics, A lot of these, you know, CEOs are probably not new to him, Mm -hmm. you know, given he lived in, he lived in New York and that's where a lot of these, you know, Wall Street is obviously in New York City. Yeah. Um, he probably ran into these people and if he doesn't trust their individual character or doesn't like him, he's just going to say to him, listen, you know, we're not messing around here. We are not, we're trying not to have a bubble. And Mm -hmm. for our viewers that weren't watching debate earlier, um, Sanders actually made a point about that in that they need to be careful, but to, you know, kind of go after Sanders a little bit. um, They can't just have billionaires bail themselves out because, you know, you can't just sell off equity. Yeah. Because I remember reading a piece about how, if they implemented the wealth tax that they were hoping to implement, um, some of your more, um, lower ranked progress. Or low rank in terms of how, how they were polling. Mm-hmm. Such a sell-off, even by you know Bezos or Gates, Bill Gates, I'm sure is you know, um, would cause a massive you know devaluation of the company itself. Because I'm sure everyone remembers the oil sell-off that happened earlier earlier last week. Yeah, and how that actually was what caused the major drop in the Dow first. And then the yeah, I remember seeing Chevron,
2: Chevron like tumbled like eight or nine points that day before okay. everyone else did and then they plunged like thirteen.
0: Yeah. And I don't think it would be as dramatic if such a wealth tax was implemented like in one but, you know, tax season rolls around, everyone has to pay off that tax these every stock will just devalue and just shave off and then have to recover.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, every stock would probably shed a few pounds. And I guess the interesting thing now is I heard, and I don't remember if this is a national recommendation or just something inside of Michigan. Uh, I don't remember, but I heard that it was the government was now suggesting that any gathering above or at fifty people be postponed or delayed. Yeah, yeah, actually,
0: was the CDC about an hour to an hour and a half ago? Mm. Um, at least that was when my phone buzzed with the yeah. alert from the New York Times. Yeah, and um, that was the CDC, and that's for the next eight weeks. Mm. And you know, my church service this morning was canceled, and that's that's about a hundred and thirty to a hundred and fifty people. Um. If you know our schools are closed for a month, yeah, gatherings of fifty over eight weeks—that's
2: very significant.
0: What, what organization can you name besides maybe your um, individual, you know, besides maybe something like Alcoholics Anonymous? And even then, I don't know. What what's less than fifty people that meet on a regular basis?
2: I mean, it's it's kind of strange because I'm thinking about it. I actually live streamed church this morning. Uh, because, you know, we didn't have an actual church service that was canceled. We live streamed it. And I thought what was weird is, you know, you know, it's much, it's very much a bridge because it's not meant to be. Yeah. It's not meant to be, you know, four people just standing there. You know, it was kind of, it was kind of strange. I I, I would be lying to you if I didn't say it was a little bit disheartening in all honesty, but it's kind of like, is this a sign of things to come? Is this going to be something permanent? Because I was worried because they said eight weeks, right? yeah eight weeks i feel like this is something that could get extended like if it oh. doesn't goes away like eight weeks and then it'll be another eight weeks and my mother was asking me today if it was constitutional to shut down travel between states and i was you know i immediately said no that's a violation of the interstate commerce clause and i think one of the things we're going to find out is is this a way and obviously i don't think this is fake i believe the coronavirus is very real you know many people have died from it many people have suffered But is this coronavirus crisis actually going to put this burden on our Constitution that we are just going to decide, you know, the Constitution can wait, we're going to deal with this crisis, and the Constitution is just going to, you know, lie trampled in the dust?
1: I
0: think that if, you know, domestic travel was to be ordered to be limited, maybe following the interstate commerce clause, you know, Congress regulates that, maybe they could limit um, travel between states because that's you know that's commerce between states and that's congress has jurisdiction yeah um i think that if such a thing were to happen and be challenged that would probably um hop to the straight to the supreme court or a very high appellate court fairly quickly
2: and, and i don't really know but, how anyone would rule though, because you know they they would kind of be united in there we have to stop this coronavirus and you know i would agree that we have to stop the coronavirus but it, it just really depends on how long could this hold up. I mean, if the court issued a ruling, like, uh, that was a little bit vaguely worded, like, saying something like uh, as long as practicable, or something like I that, think, they can extend it for as long as practical, that would be, you know, a little bit terrifying.
0: Yeah, I think, just to give a hypothetical, because the Supreme Court um, here's the cases between states. If you heard something between, like, Michigan versus Ohio about such a case, like, limiting domestic travel, like, it, or maybe it was Michigan versus U.S. Um, I think you probably see an opinion where you would have the conservatives and the more liberal justices. also. And I think if I had to guess, Robert, to probably write the opinion and say this is constitutional only if X, Y and Z um, mm-hmm. are fulfilled, such as, you know, a declaration of a national emergency, which, as you know, Congress can repeal.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, or... You know, just give very, very strict circumstances, such as such as how the president can only declare war or not how Congress can only declare
2: war, not the president. Yeah, the me president me. can't declare war. Yeah, I, but, know, I know exactly you know, what you're talking about. And I feel that that kind of thing is I think we would need. I would actually like judicial intervention on this to write something along the lines of only in the case of a national emergency can you do this kind of thing in the future. Uh, I think that would be necessary to be written because uh, I I know we need to contain the coronavirus. I know it's spreading like wildfire, but I also understand this kind of damage that's being done to our Constitution about gatherings. I feel like a court needs to write an opinion on it while, you know, not repealing these decisions that have been made right now, but writing something along the lines of this is good right now. This is fine during a time of national crisis, but in the future going forwards, this is not going to be something that stays around unless the national crisis is still in place, or national emergency, rather.
0: Yeah, and I was, um, I think what there might be a problem with, you know, just declaring a national emergency and having that be your um, sufficient your sufficient case. There are national emergencies that Clinton and I think it might have even been Carter declared that are still being used today and haven't been, you know, repealed, such yeah. as, you know, I'm pretty sure economic sanctions sanctions are done by a declaration that's very similar really or at least that was um what i was poking around with ap gov in last year
2: yeah that that is you know that's something very interesting to think about and uh especially when it comes to uh, how we're going to go forward with this kind of crisis uh now obviously we don't know what's going to happen in the future but i would say tomorrow and and i don't want to spread panic. I hope there are no big fish investors among our, I don't know, six viewers that we have right now. Uh, I hope there are no big fish investors who are going to take this to heart, but I don't think tomorrow will be a good day on the market. I just read that the futures took a dive today, despite yes, what was that's happening. Yes,
0: The um, S&P 500 went down, what,
2: 7%?
1: If,
2: if, if it was 7 in the futures, we got a problem, because that means when it opens out of the gate tomorrow, the circuit breakers are going to go off again, and that'll be the third time in this last, I think, two-week period. That the circuit breakers have been used and that's that's not gonna generate any confidence.
0: Oh absolutely not. But I think your um your retirees that are living off these you know, they're probably not very happy, but I think, you know I know we were talking about this back at the e conference, how you were investing as part of your retirement already. Yeah. You know, you may actually find this to be almost a good situation in in reverse to why a retiree would find it. A bad situation, um, you can pick up these shares, you know, somewhat quickly in the sell-off.
2: That's actually true. I mean, because uh, I actually have, with my Vanguard account, it auto-buys new shares. And so this month, I'm probably going to pick up a, quite a few more shares in the healthcare fund that I am invested in. Uh, because oh, it, it automatically invests the dividends back into the stock shares. And you usually, I usually get like 0.2 shares, you know, something like that, a marginal share. I think this month and next two months, maybe I might pick up quite a few shares of the healthcare fund.
0: I think you'll pick up enough that by the end of our undergrad, you'll probably look at it and be like, wow, <laughs> coronavirus was quite the bump for society, but, you know, this may help me out 20 years now.
2: Hopefully, I, I mean, if we're going to find a silver lining, I guess I'll go with that. But I uh, <laughs> hate to profit off of this, but, you know, I guess Wall Street, that's just how Wall Street runs. They profit off, you know, crises all the time. Uh, Speaking of which, I remember earlier today, uh, Vice President Pence, sorry, I almost said President Pence, uh, Vice President Pence basically said, continue buying at grocery stores, we got the supply chain back in order, but don't overbuy. And I think that was funny because I kind of made a joke about that yesterday. Well, I guess a little bit of a dark humor joke about, you know, don't go out and buy 80 pounds of toilet paper. Don't do that. Please don't do that. Because that's going to disrupt everything and it's also very unnecessary it's highly unnecessary
0: yeah you know i don't i don't understand how toilet paper and i i remember you sent me the um video from one of the pawn stars yeah cast how toilet paper became like a secondary currency for like a week and hopefully it isn't anymore
2: but uh, yeah i i don't want to go on to the futures tomorrow and see you know trading price price of toilet paper under commodities
0: <laughs> or you know, Charmin has become the um, staple stock of like. The Dow Jones.
2: Yeah, an ETF just of toilet paper. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would, that would be. I mean, unless unless during the crisis everyone decided, you know what, I need to TP my neighbor's house. The amount of toilet paper that we've been seeing everyone buy is absolutely ridiculous, in my opinion. You
0: know, toilet. You know, this is a just is um, um a bit of a tangent. TPing someone else, someone's house <laughs> may now be seen as an act of charity. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Are you yeah, Are you feeling charitable by, you know, a bunch of – well, it could be cruel as well because you, you could use one ply. <laughs> no, nobody wants to be – yeah. I like how we just spent now about, about two minutes ripping on uh, – or talking about toilet paper. And, uh, of course, I just wanted to take a chance to rip on one ply, the most useless <laughs> type of toilet paper that exists in the world. I hated to go there. I had to go there. Everyone knows it's true. Everyone listening it's knows it's true. It's true. It's, it, true. it's pointless. You uh, know
0: back on the note of profiteering um i think sanders did something about that did he not
2: i think every i I mean i think knowing senator sanders i'm sure he's talking about profiteering about everything but uh i mean i think i'd have to agree with him this time we have seen an unsubstantiated amount of profiteering i remember i went on the internet just a few days ago i think on friday when i was still in school looking at the price of hand sanitizer and it was like this little you know little hand sanitizer no bigger than your index finger Actually, probably a little bit bigger than your index finger, but uh, and it was like nine dollars and forty five cents, something like crazy, like that. And I'm like, what? It, and no. as I said yesterday, you could make your own hand sanitizer. Just, just do it. Make your own hand sanitizer.
0: Yeah. Um. I think I was actually reading again. Ian, I I forget if it was the Times, or the Wall Street Journal. Um. Amazon and eBay are actively taking those listings off, and there are laws. Um. That California was at the California attorney's attorney general's office are pursuing people who are price gouging and not just in the state of California, but people who would be, who could be selling to no. people living in California.
2: You know, I'm gonna, I got to, I got to hand it to California. I got to hand it to them for that because that's, that's a good thing.
0: Yeah, it absolutely is. But you know, some, your neighbor could be hoarding 18,000 rolls of single ply and try to sell it for $90 to someone <sighs> in LA and they could be prosecuted
2: for it. Yeah, uh, hopefully I think no one would buy that. But e- either way, uh, my mother, I got to tell you this great story. Hopefully she doesn't barge in here while I tell this story, but it's kind of funny cuz she went on Amazon and she went to buy like she wanted to buy like a single box of the Clorox wipes, all right? Okay. Uh but she ordered it like I think it was something she tried to order twice so when she clicked she wanted you know, you know like the key key gets sticky and you don't know if you've ordered like more than one. Because yeah. we got we got I think somewhere along the lines of like upwards of five thousand Clorox wipes. <laughs> so we've actually been, uh, I've actually been dubbed either sent uh, like something along Clorox claws because we've been delivering, we've been going around with boxes of Clorox wipes and delivering them to people. Uh, we delivered one to two of them, two boxes yesterday to her friends. Today we actually went down to the cast community, uh, you know, church in Detroit. Uh, you know, they they actually don't have any, and so we actually delivered a whole two boxes to them because, you know, we knew they needed so We delivered about 500 Clorox wipes to them, you know, to a charity. And I think that was a good thing. So, you know, I, I'm not offering, I, I'm actually not offering any Clorox wipes to anyone listening. I apologize about that. But, you know, if you've hoarded something and you realize, wait a minute, I've just hoarded something, put that to good use, you know, go give it to you know a charity or something. We need yeah, it. Unless, it's, unless it's single fly, unless it's I single mean, fly. Nobody don't deserves don't that
0: unless the single ply as vice president said don't hoard something that could be for the public use unless you know single ply is <laughs> horrible um
2: yeah you know yeah.
0: or you know my um grandpa before my dad being repositioned said don't go out to aldi anymore he went to aldi's and you know bread was pretty much non-existent in the store mm-hmm. um i while i believe you know if you're stocking up that would be wise i don't if you are like a three person household and you buy food for 12 months in a week, that may not be wise.
2: Yeah, that that may not be wise and I I gotta tell you, I have been doing a thing because I, it's lent, so I can't eat meat. so it's it's made our hoarding much easier because uh, my dad's a chef and he has a lot of clients. so we just have a lot of food here anyways. And uh, something I've actually my my dad has invented was actually invented by me making a spelling error. Is I, I've recently had to eat because I can't eat meat. I've recently had to eat a a, buff, a fake buffalo chicken that is cauliflower and and a portobello mushroom, and I, I've dubbed it the Lent burger. But I might, I might dub it the Corona burger because if I, I hope I hope that catches on. It's if you just dip the cauliflower in like a bunch of buffalo sauce and put it on top of a cooked portobello mushroom and a a sandwich. If you close your eyes and put some feta on it, it will taste like chicken. Trust me.
0: <laughs> you
2: know, I
0: think I've heard of a Corona burger that was separate, but if you called it the Lent burger, I think you honestly could sell it because I'm I'm honestly very curious to try this now. And you should send me the recipe. Um,
2: it's like less of a recipe and more of something I just that was kind of thrown together. You, you take the two one half of the bread, you take the two halves of the bread, you just kind of like toast them, you know, like you normally would. Uh, like a bun, like a her hamburger bun, and you gotta fry up some cauliflower. But you kinda cut the cauliflower in like a sheet, like a so it looks yeah. like a burger patty. And you, you just roll it in a bunch of buffalo buffalo sauce. Uh, then you put it on top of a you know a cooked portobello mushroom. Uh, then you put the portobello mushroom on the bottom. You put the you know kind of soaked cauliflower on the top. You sprinkle it with a little bit of feta. You put the other bun on top and then you got a, this kind of like portobello lenten burger. And I actually found it quite good. Uh, because of the texture. Now, on, on to the other topic, I remember I texted you this last night about the the crazy, you know, almost fantastical story and adventure of Admiral Byrd.
0: That guy, you know, I wonder if he wasn't using some mushrooms, you know, as long as you're not eating those kind of mushrooms. Um, I, wonder if, <laughs> I wonder if he was using those before the Navy started testing for him.
2: You know, Admiral Byrd... I, I am really confused about his journal because of. I mean, I sent you the article. It was. It's really just strange. I'm actually trying to find the uh, the article that I sent you. I'm actually just gonna get it up. But what I think happened was, and I, I I'm just gonna read not read from the journal, but I'm gonna tell basically everyone the synopsis of the journal is basically he went got on a plane in the South Pole. All right, he gets on a plane in the South Pole. He flies, okay. He's on a plane. He's flying on a plane. He's and then he's like gets to a certain place. He's like, okay, there are valleys below, and there's you know grass and water, and I see animals and beasts. And then he's like, okay, there are space Nazis down here. I mean, right? He was like, you know, there are these two crafts next to me that look like flying saucers, and they got swastikas on them. And I've been taken by this group. I've been taken by you know like, and I hear Nordic accents, and there are these people leading me to the center of the earth, and I met their leader, and I'm like. Okay, Admiral Byrd, I don't know what you're doing, but other than the kind of nutso cuckoo sort of thing that Admiral Byrd was writing, I wonder about how or why he felt that that happened. I, he might have been on some sort of drugs. I don't know. But before he gets to you know, all the crazy alien stuff, uh, I wonder if what he said had any merit. I'm not saying that the you know the Earth is hollow. I'm saying because we know before that that the Nazis had you know a base in the Arctic. Uh, I wonder if what the Nazis built down there remained down there, and he had, and then you know obviously got embellished over time. That's what I really wonder. That up. You know, in all honesty, it would probably be something that made the most sense out of that story uh, because you know I don't understand how he would you know find these sorts of fantastical things that he wrote about being in this kind of middle of the earth and what i think is is that it's a possibility that admiral Byrd had his journal i think he published it i think there was something in the journal that was a little bit different i mean quite a bit different than that and that that was added to the journal to discredit it i think that there might have been something in the journal because operation high jump which was what it was on was weirdly planned because you know, call me a conspiracy theorist here, and I'm, I'm sure everyone will, you don't need 4,300 men and 30 ships and, like, tanks and mechanized units to build a temporary base in Antarctica. I don't know why they gave him that many troops is the real question. That, that does raise some speculation. Maybe
0: he was right about, like, there being, you know, a military installation down there, but to, as you said, discredit it, you know. He added in some... Otherworldly experience with lush forests in the middle of nowhere.
2: Yeah, that's what I'm thinking because, you know, on the page now for Operation High Jump, you know, 4,700 men, 13 ships, 33 aircraft, including an aircraft carrier. In all honesty, in any practical world, do you need an aircraft carrier to create a small base in Antarctica? The answer is I would say no. I would would say. I have to agree. What he went down there for is probably to flush out uh, Little Schwabia because that was the Nazi base in Antarctica that – and this was after World War II. I think there might have been a holdout there or something with perhaps, you know, maybe a few submarines landed there after the war instead of Argentina. You know, a few of them went down there. uh, We're in Little Schwabia. And I don't think the U.S. government wanted anyone to know about it because it would like – it would look like, oh, you know, we forgot something. And so I think he added in or he was told to add in these kind of fantastical otherworldly experiences in order to, you know, give the government a little bit of cover for not knowing about or for not at least not flushing out new Swabia in Antarctica.
0: Yeah, and you know, that may be right. You know, we don't. Unfortunately, now that he's passed away, we really can't figure that out. But, you know, something to compare to government secrecy, um, you know, the Norden. Bomb site was. The uh, what? The Norden bomb site. It was what they used in the um, B 17 and the B 24s for. It was basically like a very, very early rendition of a computer. Mm-hmm. Um, and they used it for basically the bombardiers would use it as a way to aim where their bombs would land before you know your modern lasers of today. Yeah. That device was classic classified until the 70s and the 90s really so you know yeah and all of these all of this u.s. government secrecy over things that happened in world war ii you, you really there are lots of weird things that the u.s. military has done not to and this is not to be a conspiracy theorist no but you know the b2 spirit bomber was approved during the reagan administration the um the the central intelligence war, um, it, the re- satellites of the resolution of Google Earth 60 years ago. That's
2: that's that's kind of something that worries me. Is the power of the and, and again not to be a conspiracy theorist. I think this worries a lot of Americans. Is the power that our intelligence organizations have. I'm not saying they don't do a lot of good work. They do do a lot of good work. I think that everyone, every American citizen, is probably just a little bit concerned about and I understand they need to be secret about the lack of transparency in the structure because I think that we don't know a lot of the things and obviously it's good we don't know a lot of things they're doing but I think there's got to be some sort of balance is that having this kind of because I would say with the amount of bureaucracy we have in America that are unelected officials it's kind of like we have two governments uh, on one yeah, side you know yeah. I think you're
0: right but I think we also need to be careful sounding like um, Roger Stone and talking about a deep state.
2: I, I would, you know, I would, I would never use the term deep state. I, I would probably use the term, you know, stuck bureaucracy. Because I'm not, I'm not saying they're organized. They're probably just this is as disorganized as the regular government. Oh, yeah. But yeah, but this kind of cabal of people that's been there for a long time. Maybe it's because they're good workers. Maybe it's just because they've, you know, made friends in the right places. I'll scratch your back. You scratch mine. That kind of little corrupt thing, and I think it's notable to you note that uh, a significant amount of the budget is used up in waste, fraud, and abuse, and that's obviously bad. And so I would say, and I've read this before, this is a declassified document, and these are just kind of weird things that we should probably get out all at once, uh, and I don't believe in aliens. i just like to put that out there as I don't believe in aliens. However, I think that the amount of secrecy shown in dealing with documents related to quote-unquote alien encounters like Roswell, I think if they truly have nothing to hide, there should be more transparency on it. What I think probably happened is the government tested some sort of, you know, flight thing, all right? Tested some sort of secretive new plane, put a monkey in it, and it blew up. And they didn't want to disclose that for some reason.
0: That's very possible. You know you know how— um... Everyone was talking about that Aurora thing back Yeah, then. The Aurora, you know, nobody knew what it was. Yeah. That was the B2.
2: Yeah, they're just those kind of things that we need to talk about that – I think the reason so many of them are classified is just so we wouldn't look weak in front of the Soviet Union. I understand that. Uh, but I think we need now that the Soviet Union is gone, at least to my knowledge, the Soviet Union is gone. Putin might have something to say about that. But – the Soviet Union is gone, and I think we need to move past some of those Cold War era things we still have in place in organizations like the CIA and talk about some of the things that we've hidden from people, because, you know, even in World War II, uh, I don't remember what year it was, and I don't remember, I think it was '44, but if you look at something like the battle, I think it was Battle of, I think it was Los Angeles, uh, but basically they said, you know, it's a weather balloon, there it is, yeah, the Battle of Los Angeles, I don't know if you can... Look it up right now. But if you look it up, Battle of Los Angeles, uh, you know, the name given by a contemporary source to a rumored attack on the mainland United States by Japan. And apparently they, they saw these weird things in the sky above Los Angeles and anti-aircraft gunners just opened up on it.
0: Yes. You know, you know what that one death was from? One. Or Actually, two. Three were in car accidents and two were part So somebody must have been really freaked out by that.
2: Exactly. And I think that, you know, in the 40, it was 1942, but in, uh, the wake of Pearl Harbor, I think that we were definitely a little bit spooked, but I don't buy the official government explanation. that It was a weather balloon. I mean, i I would say that that's a little bit of a discredit by our government to our servicemen. I, I think if they, what they saw in the sky, I mean, it was clearly lit up weather balloons. You know, I don't, I don't remember weather balloons being luminescent, uh, at least in my experience. And it says, you know, 1,400 shells were fired. Pilots of the 4th Interceptor Command were alerted, but they were made grounded. Artillery fire continued until 4.14 a.m. And the all clear wasn't even sounded until 7.21 a.m. So I would say that 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 was a little bit of a, a debacle. And I think that something was up there. I wouldn't say it was you know, anxiety. I would give our servicemen more credit than that. Whether it was a plane of Imperial Japan or some sort of long-range fighter from, you know, maybe even the Soviet Union just trying to spy on us, or maybe even our, our own hidden government craft, it deserves some explanation.
1: You
0: know, I, I'd like to entertain the idea that it was a Soviet Union craft. The B-29, which was introduced later in World War II, didn't even have that kind of range,
2: I don't think. I mean, I think I'm—I would say a Soviet Union craft launched from, like— uh, Vladivostok or maybe even the Kamchatka Peninsula to, you know, get over there. Uh, but I think it would, it would be something weird. And I think a lot of these sort of things that are alien encounters, I think most of them can be explained away. However, I think the government has done a very poor job in explaining them away.
0: I think it'll be very interesting, um, you know, as things get declassified over time. And just to see what, what things really work.
2: Yeah, like, I I'm sure, I, I, I need to see that. I, I would say that's something we all need to see.
0: You know, you'd have to almost think of, imagine, and we're just going to be hypothetical for a second, you know, you imagine you're Donald Trump for a second, you've never been to political office, you're suddenly the commander in chief, and you're like, I wonder what this was, and you could just ask I
2: I gotta say, I I, I am really jealous of that, because I, I would like to, If I if I was president, I'd go, what the heck was that, you know? Tell me what that is, because I never knew what that was, and it's kind of freaking me out. I would ask them, you know, what happened in Roswell. I'd ask them, you know, all sorts of things. And I think, in all honesty, what's actually more creepy, you know, not from our perspective, is a lot of the stuff that was unexplained by the Soviet Union.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it was weird to think how you were talking about things were classified as the Soviet Union. We thought the Soviet Union was a lot better than they actually were, until yeah. we realized after 1991, we are like, oh. Wait a minute,
2: yeah, everything sucks over there,
0: yeah, you know, when we took out in Gulf War, when we took out um Baghdad, wait a minute, that was Russian equipment. I guess we're okay, uh, yeah,
2: I mean it was it was kind of weird because you know, just looking even at the you know the Cold War, Bulgaria, which was one of the Soviet satellite states almost until the fall of the Berlin Wall, was still using captured designs for panzer IIs. Yeah. Which, which is really weird to think about. You know, the Panzer II, the Germans were even like, we're not using that anymore. I mean, they were they on to like things past the King Tiger. And Bulgaria is still over here manufacturing Tiger II's. I think that really showed, you know, once we cracked the, cell, the shell of the Soviet Union and the whole thing, you know, it collapsed under the economic weight, I think we realized that it wasn't as strong as had appeared from the outside. Even by the year 1980, we'd already outpaced their economic, their their GDP, rather, by double, which, you know, I can only imagine yeah. is a disaster you know, for them.
0: I, I think the Iron Curtain kind of crumbled under the weight of its own rust.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, you know, whether you credit that to the Reagan administration having such a high rate of government spending that the Soviet Union just kind of wobbled and fell over, um, and that Gorbachev just did a really good job making sure it was peaceful.
2: I think Gorbachev a lot of Russians actually still resent Mikhail Gorbachev for what he did. Uh, And, you know, I I would thank Mikhail Gorbachev. I I personally think that overseeing a peaceful collapse of the Soviet Union was a benefit to us all. He
0: he oversaw a great loss of national pride, but you know what? It was a loss of national pride. It wasn't a loss of national life.
2: Yeah. Although, I'm sure if that happened to us, we'd be saying the exact opposite. But (laughs) it's always fine when it it happens somewhere else, though. Uh,
0: Yeah, you know, I'm sure that if you know, let's say Senator Sanders gets in and the U.S. Army basically gets dissected in um, that, you know, they just lose funding and we're like, we're no longer going to follow these, quote, imperialist dreams. I'm sure that once we start losing things, we're like, wait a minute. We're better than this. And then we, you know, we're, we'll probably have, a same, we'll have the same wake up moment of, oh, shoot.
2: Yeah. And I think that's actually quite interesting because I, I remember Mikhail Gorbachev actually ran for president. In Russia, he gave it one year as a gap, or one election cycle as a gap. But he ran for president of Russia, and it was like something out of a, like a parody movie, because he like went everywhere and everyone booed him. Uh, his own village was like, now we're not going to vote for him. He's already had his time in power. But his rallies were really huge because everyone knew he was historically significant. Yeah, and so his rallies were filled with people who didn't support him, and it was hilarious. Uh, it's really
0: weird to think about, you know, you see those, those Trump rallies, and they're full of people support him. Imagine if they weren't.
2: Yeah, imagine if they were just there because, like, oh, this guy's historically significant. Let's, you know, let's talk about him. That'd be strange. You know, if you think about
0: it, that's why almost Eisenhower got elected.
2: Yeah, because uh, he was, everyone knew he was historically significant, and I think that that's part of the reason, yeah, I would definitely say that's part of the reason uh, Ike won, and one of the Interesting things about Mikhail Gorbachev's presidential election, his bid. He got like 1%, by the way. He got 1%. And he, somebody slapped him, and he claimed that it was an assassination attempt by ex-KGB operatives. Wow. It was it was hilarious. He was like, you he know. Was
0: a, you know who's a former KGB operative, right?
2: Vladimir Putin. Sure.
0: <laughs> and he is going to be in office for... Um, Ever. Is it now twenty thirty?
2: I was just going to say forever.
0: Uh... I mean, he's what? In his fifties now. That's sixteen years from now. Maybe he'll retire. He probably won't. But you know, I imagine we'll be have I can imagine. You know, you or I may be having our first kid. We're like, oh yeah, he's still president.
2: Yep. Yeah, he's been around forever. We don't. We don't know why, but you know, old Putin, he's just ruling Russia. And uh, you know, so, somebody contemplated that. You know, they actually might. Like, he might eventually declare himself czar. We'll have czar Putin.
0: You know, the idea of an imperial Russia would be very popular with. The domestic population there because you know that loss of national pride because yeah. you know they were never part of like they were never really a European country and they were never really an Asian country, they were just kind of like
2: Russia. Russians. And I think that with each iteration of Russia, it's lost a great deal of national pride. It went from you know Imperial Russia, which I think they could quite a bit of national pride in, to communist Russia, which they also had quite a bit of national pride in. and then it went to Russia, Russia, and they feel like they've lost this huge amount of national prestige.
0: Yeah, you know, they don't have these satellite states anymore. They don't have the United States on their toes. I mean, the only person that puts both of them on their toes is really North Korea, who nobody can really control, and probably points fingers at everybody.
2: Yeah, and, and they, and America's biggest rival now is not Russia. It's China.
0: Yeah, and, For that reason, you know, you were talking about how we should, you know, retire out a lot of these Soviet-era policies. I would say we should probably keep a few of them, such as this onset of a new arms race. And this isn't even, like, yes, there's the missile arms race with these new hypersonic missiles, but, you know, this digital arms race, and I really hope that we have something that's classified.
2: I got to say that we do got to, we have to ramp up our efforts in the digital arms race, because I'd say that if... The digital arms race, I would say, and I hate to say this, I think think we're losing, without a doubt, that we're losing a digital arms race. I would really hope, given that we have,
0: like, pretty much every major tech company that, like, has done or has made a significant amount of money besides, like, Tencent, Weibo, something else that are both based in China, Mm -hmm. I would really hope there's stuff, you know, they're doing that's confidential or classified that we're going to find out about in the next issue. Like, imagine... Um, just for just another flashback, I think it was the Gulf War when they flew the F one seventeen. Yeah, they were like, "What is this thing?" You know, popped in, nobody saw it, blew stuff up. Yeah, imagine, imagine. You know, we have another. Let's say we with let's say we pull a Gulf War with Iraq, but we just do it very very quickly and in, in like such state that all of their missile defenses remotely turn off. Yeah. And, you know, everything just stops working and then that gets blown up. And you're just like, how did that
2: happen? Exactly. And so, I think, I think we're going to actually have a digital version of that. Like, you know, a lot of systems are going to go down and people are going to be like, where did that come from? Uh, yeah, I think you know, the risk of a mass cyber attack by China I would say is high. I mean, I wouldn't say it's high right now because the world's kind of, you know, hunkered down, you know, dealing with this whole coronavirus thing.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I don't think the U.S. and China can really afford to get because, you know, you have the world's largest supplier, you yeah. the world's second largest supplier, which would be the United States, and also the U.S. is the world's largest supplier.
2: Yeah, we're the biggest consumer, and I think China is actually the second biggest consumer, because I've heard what China does is they buy all the natural resources from everyone else, pile them together, and then sell to us.
0: I, I think I heard something similar, you know, how they were doing that, like, Silk Road 2.0. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think you. Heard, I think we might have talked about that actually. um how they're create they're investing in infrastructure all the way from like Africa through Eurasia all the way to the um, Chinese
2: mainland. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of interesting how they're kind of taking Africa as satellite states, which is frightening. On uh, you know at least economically that they're taking them as satellite states and they're making them economically dependent on China. And the real thing is, is either we got to get ahead or we have to recognize that. We are the ones that are causing China to do that because I don't think China would do that normally. I think that their desire for natural resources to keep feeding us is what's really driving them to economically expand.
0: I mean, maybe it's not even feeding us. I mean, I think the U.S. is pretty self-sufficient when it comes to the agricultural industry, given like I mean, mean, feeding us like
2: with plastic, really. I guess feeding us with plastic.
0: Um, I think that maybe to just draw some historical parallels. They're having their own stage of imperialism. Plus the fact that they can't even control an island like how many miles off their own shore.
2: I mean, it's that kind of thing that you know makes you wonder. And I'm glad that we defend uh, Taiwan. I was going to call it. I was going to call it the uh, Kuomintang government. But you know, I don't want to get all technical on everybody. But I, I I'm really glad that we defend Taiwan because I think that that's kind of our level of defense it's our first line of defense against china to keep china at bay and we continue to maintain that And i think that's something we need to continue to maintain uh to you know ward off chinese aggression
0: yeah you know i think that taiwan is like taiwan would be to china as ireland is to england almost
2: yeah right up right off the coast It, it would be like if in the middle of you know, the Victorian era, France just controlled Ireland.
0: You know, I think the Germans during World War II actually were looking at like hitting an Irish.
2: They, they, they were, they, they had contacts with the Irish Republican army to try to, you know, see if they could get that done again. And, uh, I, I don't want to get into that though. The last thing I need is a bunch of people arguing about, you know, Ulster and, <laughs> you know, Ireland and all that, you know, I, I'll just say it right here. I mean, Ireland probably should be unified or maybe it shouldn't be unified. I don't know. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna come down on either side of the issue. Uh I'll just say yeah, I happy like Happy St.
0: Patrick's
2: Day. Yeah, Happy St. Patrick's Day. I think that's tomorrow. But you know whatever. It's happy good. St. I, Patrick's Day.
0: It's it's Tuesday. We got we got two more days
2: left. Oh, we have we two have two more days. I, I will – remind me to do this. I'm going to add a single shamrock to the logo for <laughs> St. Patrick's Day. Oh
0: yeah. You have to You know, the parades are canceled now.
2: I know, but uh, as I went into town, or I was driving, I didn't really go into town. We were driving and passed it, and there was a pub, and there were still a ton of people with, you know, Irish hats on, you know, waiting to go into the pub. So, you know, as much as the coronavirus is stopping everything, it won't stop people from getting their alcohol. Speaking from pubs, it actually might. I think,
0: and um, I'm going to have to check really quick Illinois and Ohio are closing bars. Really? Yeah.
2: Well, I get I I'd honestly get Illinois because you know, what do they do? They they dump a bunch of uh green like powder into the Chicago River just I,
0: You know, the Chicago River is not a very nice river
2: to start to begin with.
0: You know, I don't think I mean, I'd be I'd be very curious to see what it looks like. Right in Lake Michigan, as it comes out, like oh, that's a lot of green. Uh, kind of I, I don't. Cool. Yeah. I
2: think. I hope they've stopped doing that because I don't. I don't actually don't think fish can live there anymore. I think they're trying to reclaim it. Yeah.
0: Uh, um. So here's here's what's up with that. Um. Ohio will be closing all bars and restaurants beginning at nine p.m. today. So actually, fifty minutes ago, all the guys in the pubs just got booted. Um. Massachusetts all gatherings over 25 people are and restaurants to be take out only from Tuesday through April 17th um, California all bars nightclubs wineries closed um, yeah and it's gonna be very interesting you know imagine you know these people that may be facing layoffs dude dude due to this outbreak or people that are just distraught and they try to go to a bar they can't go to a bar anymore. What are they going to do?
2: Yeah. Uh, oh, boy. I, I just got a text from one of my friends regarding, you know, a politi- a little political scandal that I've ruined. You know, this is always entertaining to people, so I guess I'll read this out. You know, not to disregard the coronavirus, but it says, uh, Andrew Gillum withdraws from politics after a link to suspected drug overdose. It says, Yes. The husband and father yes. of three young children was found early Friday by Miami Beach police in Mondrain's South Beach Hotel uh, room with an apparent overdose victim man. According to the media reports, was a am uh, gonna say, exotic dancer.
0: He was an escort, basically.
2: Yeah, and, and it, um, it was another man, so police I was, found... I was
0: reading about that, and I was like...
2: Three bags of crystal like, meth.
0: Wasn't this guy, like, a Democratic front-runner for office somewhere?
2: It said he would had too much to drink and hadn't been using drugs. Uh, I... That's bad. I'm just going to go out on the limb and say, that's bad.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's his career is done.
2: Uh, you know, it's kind of a breath of fresh air to actually have this happen to a Democrat for once. Usually it's the Republicans that they catch.
0: <laughs> well, at least it's the ones they report on. I,
2: I mean, I, I, hate, I hate to make light of the situation, because, but I remember the uh, – I was I was not that old then, but I remember the Larry Craig story. Uh, let's you know, I'm not going to get into that because too disgusting. But uh, it's usually they usually catch the Republicans. So I I appreciate some bipartisanship for once in the and the catching of people in um uh, I guess I'm going to say promiscuous acts, but it's really like uh I I don't think I'd be remiss if I if I said degenerate acts. I don't I don't know how much flack I would get for saying degenerative acts like that.
0: It's just
2: weird you know i'll never get it what what it is with power power always seems to do that to men um,
0: it does and i think that's you know to get a little theological for a second that's part of the imperfectness of man
2: uh my friend just continued to tweet me Says republicans including u.s representative matt gates who Gillum once attacked for driving under the influence also chimed in there's only one of us who gets mapped out in hotel rooms with guys in miami you gates tweeted. you know i, I gotta say this I usually don't. I, I usually don't like Matt Gates. Uh, <laughs> Matt Gates, this is this is a. Uh, I would say that this is not the time for politics, Mister Matt Gates and or Representative Gates. That's that's a is little bit. the guy that
0: um, he wore, Gates was the one that wore the mask on the floor, and then one of his like.
2: Yeah, and then, he had, had to, and then he had to. He had to self quarantine. Uh, yeah, he
0: had to self quarantine, and someone in his district died like the day after the. Someone he, was
2: He's just a he's a guy with all around bad optics in all honesty. Bad optics.
0: Yeah. And you know, it's weird to think this guy is a um he's a he's a lawyer.
2: Really? Matt Gaetz is a lawyer.
0: Yes. According to um I, I just pulled it up on Google, it said Matthew Lewis Gates the second is an American lawyer and politician.
2: Matthew uh, Lewis the, Gates. Really? Yes. Uh, you know, I I gotta say that that's kind of I I kind of find that funny, and I know that's that's probably bad, but I I find that funny that that Gates is a lawyer. I I couldn't picture him as a lawyer.
0: Yeah, I, there are a lot of people that you'd be surprised with. You know, I I forget what, you know, Bernie and Biden have been in politics for so long. What are their degrees in?
2: I don't know, but uh, and on all honesty, I was about to make the worst pun of the evening. I was about to say. That you know, the fact that a lot of these guys are lawyers really lowers the bar.
1: Oh my goodness! <laughs> that,
2: that was that's a very low pun. I I apologize to everyone who may be listening or a, anybody who was affected by that terrible, terrible pun. Uh, you know
0: what? You know it really
2: lowers the bar. <laughs>
0: you know what's worse? What? The attorney general might be just shaking his head in the back corner right now.
2: Yeah, I yeah the attorney. <laughs> the attorney general. Neither a real attorney nor a real general, but kind of an attorney, but not really a general. Uh, <laughs> you know, I remember that from that Simpsons episode that where Janet Reno was in it, and she said, you know, I'm the attorney general. It's just better being a real attorney or a real general. Uh, and I, I have
0: not seen that episode. But during this month off, I'm going to have to really refresh my knowledge.
2: Uh, I just remember that episode because of the great line of when Principal Skinner was talking about to do this this like mock trial program because Janet Reno was there. They were going to have to do another budget cut and they were going to have to do another field day to which Ralph said, you know, yay, field day. I can go crazy and no one can stop me. And Janet Reno said, and that's what Bush said when he was inaugurated for a second term. Yeah. Um, And they they had the real Janet Reno do the voice. So I thought thought that was kind of funny. Uh, You know, a lot of real people end up doing their voices on the Simpsons because I think everyone, everyone really, that's the goal is to be immortalized in the Simpsons. (laughs)
0: <laughs> um speaking of politicians and the you know, just in popular media. Yeah you know that you know that um show, I think it's on Fox where they sing with like, like those masks on and people the guests. Wait what? Um there's like this show on Fox where like Like
2: Fox News or like the other Fox No no
0: no no, no like the date like Fox like just like the channel Fox for like
2: Oh like um, with the Simpsons and all that.
0: it's Like for their daily entertainment. Yeah. You know how you have, like, the voice in American Idol? They have this thing now where they have to guess who, like, is singing underneath this costume. And what? I forget. I, I got to pull it up. But it actually was pretty popular because Sarah Palin was on it.
2: What? Oh, I I remember that. But I and she. Yes. oh, no. No, I remember no, because that was a cursed video because it was Sarah Palin singing Baby Got Back. Yes. That is not yes. something I would ever want to see.
0: You know, I, one of my brothers was watching, I walked through. him, I'm like, I wonder who could be under there, and she takes it off, and I'm like, I put my glasses on, actually, and I was like, wait a minute.
2: Wait a minute, that's, that's just wrong, that's, I don't approve of that at all, is what I would say, and, uh, my oh God, Fox, why, why do you have to do this to everybody, had it. No one wants to see Sarah Palin singing "Baby Got Back." I'm I'm sorry, ex- except for maybe Todd Palin, and that, that's pretty much the end of that list.
0: You know, Washington Post, the Washington Post actually said what Sarah Palin's masked singer cameo says about the virus in
2: our politics. I I I I don't, I, I, don't, I don't even know how to respond to that, but either either way, uh, I don't even know where I'd like to drive the conversation. I don't know how we can. I can really top Sarah Palin singing baby got back and, and I'm not sure that I really want to uh, respond. I, this this is really fallen to bad morals. First we talked about Andrew Gillum and a male like score. <laughs> and now we're talking about Sarah Palin singing baby. We've really gotten trashy over the last five to 10 minutes. So I guess let's get back to some higher ideals and talk about. Uh, I remember I recommended a book to you at Michigan youth and government. And I didn't, I didn't actually, I haven't actually read the book. I just thought it was a good book for anybody yeah. to read.
0: Reasonableness of Christianity.
2: Yeah, did you ever get that book?
0: I did, I actually read it. You did read it? Yeah, and it was actually a very short book.
2: Okay, good. Di- dissect it for us then.
0: No, hold on. I think it might actually be in this room. Yes, it is in this room. I'm actually in the study.
2: How um, convenient.
0: Yes. Um, the Reasonableness of Christianity by John Locke. A Discourse of Miracles and a Part of a Third Letter Concerning Toleration. Um, the print that I bought, the essay itself was about 99 pages really Um, and it really was just looking at the rationality behind a lot of this Um, yeah which um, to talk about a different book um, have you heard of the book Christianity not mysterious
2: Uh, I have not actually
0: it was written by I actually have that upstairs um, John Toland and that actually when I bought it off Amazon has an apology from the Irish Parliament guess what
2: uh, who's that written by um, it was by John Toland really
0: now guess what the apology from the Irish the Irish Parliament was about what,
2: what was the apology from the Irish Parliament about burning it burning it they, they burned it they,
0: they wrote a formal apology that is in the beginning of the book like before like the foreword of the book itself, and it says, "We, the Irish Parliament, apologize for the burning of, you know, X, Y, and Z on X date." That is, which I thought interesting, really impressive.
2: I mean, it's good that they remember to do it. A lot of, you know, people, a lot of countries nowadays aren't willing to take that kind of responsibility. So good, good for you, Ireland. Good for you. Yeah,
0: you know the Irish, you know.
2: But what, what was on the reasonable of uh, Christianity? Like, what, what were some like big points, sir, or something like that?
0: I think. I honestly, um, it's been, I, I read it in the span of a week after Yig.
2: What, like, what'd you get out of it is basically
0: i Um, I think what I majorly got out of it was just talking about how the message of the gospel makes sense in context of not just when Christ was on earth, but things like that relevant to society. Yeah. Like talking about there being one God, and it was really just an exploration of morals. Mm-hmm. And it related directly to Scripture, as in, like, it would take, like, a chunk of, you know, the book of Luke and be like, this relates to X, Y, and Z. And it basically is just a massive formalized sermon. I think if you had to compare it to something that's more recent, um, you you obviously would know about Sinner's Name hand of an angry god right i i do know about
2: sinners in the hand of angry god uh we had to read it in school uh jonathan edwards uh the only thing i was disappointed about about sinners in the hands of angry god is that i we didn't read it in class because we had like some day off because i really wanted to read it to everybody because i had been practicing my i know jonathan edwards didn't actually read it to his congregation in like some sort of you know fiery kind of hellfire way he actually read it in a calm voice sitting in a chair but i I wanted to take the opportunity to read sinners in the hands of angry god God holds us as he holds the most detestable creature over the fire cauldron. It is only by his grace that he does not drop us in at any moment. I, I wanted to say that, but uh, unfortunately, I, I was not the one who was able to say that.
0: I'm, I'm sure you would have had quite a lot of fun with that.
2: I, I, I definitely would have. I, I should take one episode of this like, tomorrow or something. Just read all of Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. <laughs> I, actually, I
0: actually wrote... Um, <clears throat> I wrote I I didn't read it, or write it. I wrote... Sorry, my words are becoming formal as I look at the debate. Um, oh, by the way, Biden and Sanders elbow bumped each other instead of handshaking. Um,
2: I find that to be the most
0: awkward thing, but
2: continue. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, I read a chunk of that for a document interpretation process or progress for APUS. Really? Yes. And my teacher was like, all right, why do you think this is relevant to a push? And you know, obviously, it was quoted. It wasn't quoted, but it was mentioned in the Great Awakening. Part of, um, you know, that act, the Great Awakening is part of the AP curriculum. At least it was when I took it a couple of years ago. Um, and I, was, I, basically, had to summarize the Gospel of Christ. You know, his his arrival on Earth and his crucifixion and later ascending back to heaven in under the span of like 45 seconds. Really? To a very rough crowd in my Push class. And, you know, we're all like 14.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I got to tell you, and, and this is no no flack to atheists, but they're exhausting to be around. Like, not not like people who did, not like unaffiliated people. But people who are like hardcore atheists. They're exhausting so, to be around. One, one of my friends, and, you know, God bless it. But uh, I know he'd take offense to that, so I wanted to say that. But God bless him; he <laughs> was denying to me. I remember this was before we had to leave. This is like a few weeks before, and I mentioned that there were Christians, you know, around the world, and the, that the worldwide church was persecuted. He didn't believe that like Chaldeans were persecuted in the
0: Middle East. Oh, that absolutely is true.
2: And and he was like completely unaware of the fact that like the global church, like not any European-derived church, but, like, the global church, the global church in India, the global church in Africa, the global church in the Middle East, are under actually a great deal of persecution. He was, like, refusing to, to, to accept that. He was like, no, 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 that doesn't happen to Christians. That I mean, only happens to be more Christians. I'm like, no, my atheist friends, that happens to everybody.
0: Yeah, you know, just look at the Middle East.
2: For Absolutely. A I mean, long time. there was a Chaldean girl a few years ago. She was a few years old, graduated in my math class, and she told me that uh they moved to America because, you know, it was just getting really bad over there. Most of her family moved to Michigan because it was so bad over there. They were just not free to be Christians. It just, you know, they didn't have a fair shake over there. Yeah. Um
0: I I think it's very it's very disheartening that people, you know, modern you know, I'm gonna throw AOC out of the bus because she seems to be the most easy person to do that to um <laughs> Sorry to any AOC fans out there. Um, which, if you are, you really got to read her Twitter sometimes. It's really weird. Um, <laughs> um, anyways, back to the... You know, I'm actually forgetting what the point was.
2: The, the, we were talking... We t- went from centers in the hands of an angry god and how exhausting atheists were to be around now. We're talking about persecution of the global church.
0: Yes. Um, Persecution of the global church... Everyone says, you know, all the Protestant or the Catholic, in your case, the Christian white males or just the, you know, usual bunch in society um, are terrible people and such. But then you kind of forget that was the pro- that these were the persecuted peoples for a very long time and still are just not yeah. in, you know, an
2: Anglo-American yeah, there's persecution all over the world that happens to everybody. Christians aren't excluded from that. Christians are persecuted in the Middle East very heavily, and I think that's something that a lot of people aren't recognizing. Uh, you know, lastly, I'd, I'd like to read a text that I've gotten from of my friends who's who's viewing the live stream, and uh, she says, I've gotten to read Sinners in the, in the Hands of an Angry God in a Scary Voice, and I recommend it 100%. I will, I will remember, I will try to open up one skit or one of these episodes by playing "Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God," because I have, I found the perfect recording of "Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God," and it, and it is mildly like terrifying. I remember to open up the show with that uh, at a certain point. Now, uh, you know, just, we're, just we're, we're, reading, just reading that, shit, like, just gives you goosebumps. I mean, yeah, it does. It's you know kind of scary to read, but it's kind of you know it's important yeah. to understand. The second great, or I think that was just the first Great Awakening, actually. I don't remember which one it was. I should. I think that, it I think. was the first one. I, I believe
0: it was the first one. I'm going to say the first one. I'm going to say you it's the know, first one. Uh, A-Push a was a while back.
2: A-Push was last year for me. I should probably remember this. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, either way, we are running short on time now. So I am going to close this out, actually, because I think I can find the YouTube video uh, with a little bit of Paul Harvey. So... Let's see if I can find this. Paul Harvey, if I were the devil. Uh, so thank you. Uh, I don't know. I forgot what your Discord name is. Thank you, Mr. Incognito Dub, which I guess is what I'm going to call you from now on, uh, for joining oh, us. It, for has joy. It, it, it always is a joy. I'll, I'll probably bring it back tomorrow if you can. But in the meantime, I will close this out with uh, Sinners and Hands and Angry God. What, or not Sinners and Hands and Angry God. If I were the devil by Paul Harvey, thank you, Mr. Incognito Dub. I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you. Good night. Thank you. You too.
1: If I were the devil, if I were the devil, if I were the prince of darkness, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness. And I'd have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population, but I wouldn't be happy until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree, the. So I'd set about however necessary to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve, do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth, I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what's bad is good and what's good is square. And the old I would teach to pray after me, our Father, which art in Washington. And then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors in And I could lure you into bed with diseases for which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. Paul Harvey. Good day.
2: Once again, thank you for joining us on the Daily Diatribe. Again, what we just listened to was If I Were the Devil by Paul Harvey. Uh, Tomorrow, hopefully, I'll have Mr. Incognito Duff back. Uh, I'll talk a little bit more about our, my experiences in uh, the youth government sort of experience that I did. I'll take some more questions, answer any questions. If you have any questions, uh, you know, just send a message to the channel, send a message on the discussion board. Uh, that would be, you know, fine. Send a message on the discussion board, and I do have an email dedicated to this, and so I'm going to read it off now. It's. Uh, I'm finding it. Give me a second. It is thedailydiatribe01 at gmail.com so email any questions, any concerns you have to there. Once again, tomorrow we will talk about the coronavirus. Uh, we will be talking a little bit more about conspiracy theories and, you know, their general effect on the population and we are going to talk a little bit more about, you know, spiritual exegesis tomorrow, hopefully. Uh, and another thing I will talk about is actually the little bit of research I have been doing for school on the Council of Nicaea. So that's kind of be a full slate tomorrow, and as you know, Mr. Incognito Dub and I, you know from the last two episodes, we go off on all these crazy tangents, whether it be on, you know, one-ply toilet paper and how much we hate it to an alien attack or maybe Japanese or Russian attack on Los Angeles. So once again, I thank you very much for joining me and Incognito Dub tonight on our stream. Uh, I hope to hear you, or not hear you, you're hearing me, I Hope to see you tomorrow on the Daily Diatribe. Thank you, and I'll just close this out because, you know, this kind of thing glitches sometimes. So I'll actually close this out with a little bit of a Gregorian chant. So enjoy the Dies Irae, not the one by Mozart, the Gregorian chant. So thank you, and have a blessed night. Yes,